Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeat is Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Friday. It's March 24, 2017. And today, we're in Chapter 2, There is a Solution, and we're on page 18, and we're going to be reading... Uh, beginning with the third paragraph, Highly Competent Psychiatrists. We'll be reading two paragraphs and commenting on both. Well, today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Shannon B., The Twelve Traditions, Cheryl R., and the readers of our text today will be Devorah S., Jackie B., and Deb W., Now, I have two share IDs for you. That's four-digit numbers. They're for yesterday, which is Thursday, March the 23rd, 2017. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, the share code is 9757. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9758. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, pardon me, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, big book study, our message is people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Shannon B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Athens, Georgia. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you, Shannon D. I will now ask Cheryl R. to please read the 12 Traditions. Hi, this is Cheryl R. from Virginia. Can you hear me? I can. Good. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. And thank you, Cheryl R. How our meeting works? Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, and then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay. Uh, now we are going to resume our, our study in the big book on page 18, and we're going to begin with the third paragraph, highly competent psychiatrist, and I'm going to ask Devorah S. to please begin our reading. Good morning. Thank you so much, Janice. I'm Devorah S. from New Jersey, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually found that find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who was properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. Wow. So, this sentence, these paragraphs tell me, and, and I really understand it because for years and years and years I suffered with this, with this problem, this disease, that I was grossly overweight, and people would tell me, and, and doctors would tell me, just lose a little weight, just stop eating it, don't eat this, don't eat that, push away yourself from the table, um, you know, you're not trying enough, just, just, you know, just, just have a little piece of dessert, and that's it, you know, just leave it alone, nobody understood what I was experiencing, and the truth of the matter is, I didn't know why I couldn't stop. Until I came into this program and started reading the book, and I heard, and I learned the doctor's opinion, those are the facts. This is the these are the the facts that I'm I'm learning about myself. When it talks about that, I have to be armed with the facts about myself. The fact about myself is that I am highly allergic to certain substances, the allergy of the body, and my mind. And I have an obsession of the mind that my mind will tell me things that are they're okay, it's okay, you can have a little bit. So I need to know about myself, and myself is that I am highly allergic to substances and I can't ever have them. I put them down and I move on. And then the next thing I have to know about myself is that I, um, I have, I'm powerless over these substances, I can't have them, and the only power that I do that I need to um, acquaint myself with, get to know and get to rely on is God. I'm not God. My job is over and I need to trust and rely fully on God. And only God could um, bring me to being recovered. And, you know, without his help, I can't do it. So when I talk to another person about the situation, um, when I'm armed about my, my, my facts about myself, another alcoholic, another food addict, another compulsive overeater will understand when I tell my story, when I tell about the times that I couldn't stop eating, um, that I ate everything in sight, that I ate off my children's plates, that I had to eat, that I ate out of the garbage, that uh, the humility and the, um, the suffering that I went through 
the diabetes that I got and the high blood pressure and going from doctor to doctor and, tell, and, and the doctor's telling me just stop eating. When I told them that I couldn't, when I tell another uh, um, compulsive overeater that I have to finish every bag and every box and I can't, I'm looking for more. Those are the stories that I can relate to another person and they'll understand and they'll relate to it because they, if they're one of us, then they do the same thing. And, um, and that's how I get to um, give it away to another person because I can't keep what I have. I have to give it away. Um, if I hold on to it, it's only for myself. And this program promises me that if I give it away, if I help other people, then I'll be able to keep what I have, this recovery. And it's a constant reminder for me when I do this, when I share my story, when I'm working with new people. It reminds me who I am, the compulsive overeater who couldn't stop eating. But today I have a solution. I'm living in the steps. And I have a higher power that each day guides me and protects me. And I'm not running the show anymore. I've given it all up. And, um, you know, just so grateful to be part of this. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Devorah S. Okay, we're going to open it up now. Who would like to comment on the two paragraphs, paragraph three Larry. and four on page 18? Matt R. Matt M. Matt R. Matt M. Um, Lauren N. I'm just going to um, get the ones that I hear. Okay. Um, And I got three names. How do you like that? I have Larry uh, Larry K. I have Scott R. I have Kim G. Lauren N. Matt M. Lauren N. And I I hear Matt M. And we'll go with those five and then we'll continue. Okay. We're going to start with Larry Kay. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Janice. Um, can you hear me all right? I can hear you, but not as loud as usual. Okay, let me see if I can improve that. Because we want to hear better? you. Is that Keep better? going. A little bit, okay. well. All right, all right. I'll try to do that. There the we go. There we go. Okay, thanks so much. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive breeder from Chicago. You know, if, if people come to, to therapy to seek help, you know, why would they lie? I can only speak for myself. We, we tend to lie to avoid the shame and embarrassment. So even if, even if we feel we're in a confidential, protected space, uh, you know, with a psychiatrist or a other helping professional, you know, we'll minimize or omit stuff because we're sure we're going to be judged. And we also lie, at least I did, because it's easier to do that than to confront new situations that frighten me, that I'm fearful of. You know, at its core, when I lie, it's about fear. And when I lied about what I ate, it was almost universally to avoid, you know, those tangible repercussions like being judged or being asked to change my stripes. See, I I couldn't change my stripes. I didn't believe I could change my stripes. And now when when I'm with another compulsive eater, who I quick, quickly learn, you know, thinks and feels and acts the way that I do. <clears throat> because, see, she's armed with the facts about herself. Well, then I have no reason to feel ashamed or embarrassed. My fears begin to dissipate. You know, the first time I heard a guy talk about sitting in his car by himself, parked in a secluded place. See, I can relate to that. Parked behind a grocery store or in a, 
you know, somewhere with his box of donuts mindlessly stuffing his face when he talked about that one after another, one donut after another until he fell asleep with crumbs in his lap. See, now that's a guy who understands me. And here was the most amazing revelation. He wasn't doing that anymore. He was free. He was untethered from that, from that obsession. And that's a guy that I could relate to and the, and the shame began to go away and, and I, I let that window of, you know, come down a little bit and I could, I could relate. And then I was open to being exposed to this practical program of action, which, which has you know, revolutionized my life. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Larry K. Okay, we have Scott R. Please, your turn. Did I get that right, Scott R.? Okay, let's go on. Maybe he'll come back. How about Kim G.? Kim, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. But the ex-problem drinker who has found the solution, this solution who is properly armed with facts about himself. You know, I have to say, I'm just trying to relate this to my own experience. And, um, you know, I remember hearing for many years, all I have is my story. And, um, and I don't believe that anymore. Because I have to tell you, for many years, I defined my disease by my consequences of my eating. You know, when I spent many years in Overeaters Anonymous, um, Oh, I missed my timer. Um, many years in Overeaters Anonymous, just hearing war stories in meetings where we would try to outdo each other about how much weight we lost or how much fast food that we, we ate and, you know, how many times we ate out of the trash cans and, and just the misery of the consequences of our eating. And honestly, that just kept me lamenting in the problem. But when I came into a meeting with ex-problem drinkers who found the solution, who were properly armed about themselves, my entire life changed. So what did that mean? I came into a meeting where people were recovered. So it was past tense. They were ex-problem drinkers. It wasn't a meeting of people who were currently in the disease comparing the consequences. And I heard that for the first time that food and weight was not my problem. They were properly armed with the facts, which is that if you are a compulsive overeater of the type described in this book, which I discovered I was, that I have a twofold nature to this illness, that I have an allergy of the body, which means when I ingest certain substances, not all food, but certain foods, engage in certain behaviors, engage in certain ingredients, I have what's called a phenomenon of craving, and I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. But I also was taught that even larger than that, even when I'm able to white-knuckle it, even when I'm able to pull myself over my bootstraps and not eat those foods, I have a mental obsession that dominates all other thoughts that will always, always convince me to go back to the food. Those were the facts that I needed to know about myself. Because it doesn't matter whether I'm 100 pounds overweight, 30 pounds underweight, or I'm at my, uh, quote, healthy weight, binging and purging and, and over-exercising, which I have done all three, is that I have this twofold nature of my illness, and that person got my attention. And not only were they properly armed about my disease, 
They knew what the solution was, and they had this practical program of action where I didn't have to suffer anymore. That was a message of depth and weight. So after 17 years in Overeaters Anonymous, I came into a room, a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting, where they were properly armed about the facts of myself, and they won my entire confidence in a couple meetings. Thank you, God, for the people in the rooms that are recovered that were willing to tell me the truth rather than worried about hurting my feelings. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Kim G. Okay, Lauren N., it's your turn. Lauren N. Good morning, all. Good morning, visionaries. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Um, I am so grateful for this room here. Uh, Janice, will you will you um, time me? Um, the gratitude, the understanding, the experience in this room has made it so that I can recover one day at a time. For many, many years, I have um, believed that it was in my power to find the right diet, to find the right program, to find the right solution, and the right, right, right would fix me. And you know what? I'm not broken. Isn't that amazing? I'm alive and well today because of everything I hear in this room. And I'm able for today to believe that I have a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. In today's reading, there was... um, I quoted something about how I have a choice today about sanity. I didn't know that I was insane. kept trying to have one of these goodies, one of these sugar items, and not have more. And there was no way in my life that I could have just one because I'd eat them all. I couldn't understand why I couldn't have one. And you guys told me about an allergy that I absolutely have. Thank God for this. Thank God for you all. And with that, I pass. Okay, you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Did you pass? I guess you can. Uh, before we go on, uh, sorry, Janice. Yes, I passed. Oh, Have a I'm good sorry. day, everyone. Yeah, you too. Uh, Scott R, are you with us? Scott R. All right, let's go to Matt M. Matt M., it's your turn. Hi, Janice. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Hi. Good morning, your fellow visionaries. My name is Matt M. I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. 
Um, this self section really um, helps, really gets to me because I love the end of this first paragraph that it talks about strangely enough, wise parents and intimate friends usually find this even more unapproachable than a psychiatrist than a doctor. I had I grew up with a very uh, verbally abusive family and used to tell me, used to try to shame me into not eating. They used to say, "Oh, you're a fat pig. What are you doing? Uh, we can, if we can do it, so can you." The, fraud, the whole thing, frothy emotional appeal. I used to say, I used to have friends that tell me that you need to lose some weight, Matt. You're killing yourself. Or I had doctors tell me who cared about me, look what you're doing to yourself. You're not going to make it to 20. You're not going to make it to 30. And every time I passed one of those milestones, I would laugh inside. I'd like, aha, I showed you. But as someone shared, I was one of those people who used to park behind dirt, deserted parking lots, park in the parking lot of the fast food joint, open the bag, and just start eating. And once I had that first bite, that feeling of, ah, came over me, and I would just binge and binge and binge until the bag was empty until I had enough fill so I can go home and eat the rest of them in the comfort of my home with the with the, the shades drawn and the lights, the lights dimmed, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I was really one of those people. When I, when I start eating compulsively, my whole deportment changes. I'm, I'm a much less irritable person, uh, but I'm a pathological liar, though. I love to, I can lie like the best of them to get that food, and once I have it, I am so... Uh, under the under the weather, I just want to sit there and just keep eating until it's gone. The whole bag is empty. So I know what it's like to be under the spell or trance of the food. I'm just recently getting out from under it, and uh, it's not easy. I'm working with the sponsor, but, you know, I'm willing to be rigorously honest with them to let them know what's going on with me so I can go through the book. Because if I'm not honest with my sponsor, who can I be honest with? I have to be honest with myself first and foremost. But if I'm not honest with the person I'm working with, what's the point, you know? And do I really want this? And I, I finally realized I actually do want this. I want to get recovered. But uh, definitely, and so I choose one of the ex-problem drinkers who has found the solution, and I want to get what I got, what she has. So, um, And I realized that I can do this one day at a time with that all pass. And thank you so much, Matt M. Okay, we're going to take our time. Who would like to be next? Tina R. Melissa C. Tina S. Melissa Melissa C. Uh, I think I heard Sarah. Sarah W. Nessa R. And I hear Nessa R. And we can have Nessa. one more. Who? Lynn S. Lynn S. Let's go with that group. And uh, we'll see how that happens. Tina S. It's your turn. Thanks, Janice. Tina S. Uh, recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Great meeting this morning. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for your service, Janice. You know, I really can relate to these two paragraphs, and uh, and I'm glad I can today because, you know, I, I was one of those people that went to the psychiatrist uh, because I had an agenda. And as long as Tina has an agenda, nothing else can get in. You know, I, had a, I was armed with a magazine that said that, oh, you know, I knew I had a problem with food, and I also had a problem with booze because that's who I am. And I went in there and I said, I think I need this pill to take care of all my problems. And I don't know, I know I lied to the guy because I didn't really, you know, I, didn't, I was lying to myself, so I certainly was going to be lying to him, and, um, you know, because I thought these things were still the answer. I just wanted to be able to do them successfully to solve the problem that I thought I had, and, um, you know, and he told me maybe I needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous when I left there. I was, like, amazed, but the... But what happened for me is, like, I wasn't ready. And I have to say this because it's the truth. If I still have a plan, if I am not convinced that I can't do this on my, on my own, I am not willing to do anything that anybody else suggests. But when I am, when I've exhausted all the stuff that Tina has planned to do, and I, and I, um, I, I have no place else to go, 
last house on the block. So I come here and somebody, that ex-problem drinker who has found this, this solution, this specific solution, and properly armed with the facts, am I willing to listen? And then I have the hope because there's somebody that's sitting in front of me with whom the problem has been solved. And I want that answer today. And I, and I love what it talks about. One day at a time, if I continue to want that answer, I'm going to continue to do this stuff. And it's outlined in this book, The Twelve Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous. Give me a spiritual awakening, which is sufficient, excuse me, uh, t to have me refrain from this disease one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. <clears throat> and thank you, Tina S. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, what brings to my mind this morning is how um, these are like two completely opposite um, uh, experiences and responses, you know. So when I was approached by people in whom the problem had not been solved, you know, in people who, doctors, family, people who meant well, my response was <laughs> completely opposite of what it was when I was approached by people in whom the problem had been solved. And so, you know, yeah, my um, my response when approached by um, people in my life, in my family, um, in doctors was, well, I wouldn't go to doctors, you know? That's what I did. I wouldn't go to my primary care physician because I knew he would yell at me and I, you know, or I felt yelled at, I felt scolded. So I just, hey, I just didn't go, you know? I would go to, um, I would be sick and I would go into like a walk-in place, you know, because I didn't want to face my doctor. Um, you know, or I found a doctor, my favorite doctor of all, who didn't even look at me, used to just write me a script for Fenton. And that was, you know, so I would go there. And, you know, and if my family um, made the approach, if they tried to talk to me, I was so completely guarded. I was, um, you know, I would get really um, not very nice. You know, it would always end in a blowout, you know, where um, I would shut down, accuse them of, you know, trying to change me, not accepting me and loving me for who I am. And then I would, then the next step would be, or, you know, you were never there for me when, you know, and I would revisit all my old resentments. And then, hey, I could eat some more, you know. And so when I was approached by people in whom the problem had been solved, there were no lectures. You know, there were no um, agendas. There was no profit motive. There was people coming to me who, in whom the problem had been solved. They had a shared set of experiences, and um, and then they had the solution. And so, my response was so different. It was like, you know, just a tiny touch, and I opened up. You know, I, I let down all my guard, and little by little as I saw um, how effective this was, it's grown easier and easier to approach me so that today if I call somebody with a problem, with, you know, a, a situation, I can't believe how open I am to having a new experience, you know, a, a new mindset. Um, and um, thank you so much with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. Okay, you're up. Good morning to you, Sarah W. 
Good morning. Thank you so much, Janice, for your service. Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. <clears throat> so I wanted to uh, focus on the last part of the first paragraph and then the second paragraph where it says um, uh, people find us so unapproachable. Um, and I was thinking about why am I unapproachable? For, for me, the reason I was unapproachable was I had a wall up. You know, I was afraid to allow people to penetrate that wall that was really um, kept people at a distance. Um, you know, I, I used ma- a mask uh, to survive. Um, and for me, the way I came into program in 1995 was through a psychiatrist. I was uh, having marital problems and uh, went to somebody while I was living in Phoenix, and thank God that person um, directed me to Overeaters Anonymous, and, and for sure this is a progressive illness. Uh, but until I was really willing to open my mind up enough to want the help, there was nothing that anybody that even had solved the problem could have done to help me. And I think that's the key, that we have to have the willingness and the humility to say, what I've been doing hasn't been working, and I have to do something different. Uh, you know, I've had a 100-pound weight loss uh, for the last six years, very grateful for it. But more, more than that, I've lost so many pounds in my head that were so uh, – I was such a miserable woman, such an angry woman, and even in recovery for many years, a dry drunk. Uh, but, you know, where it talks about um, – this understanding that can be reached, you know, I really believe that um, no matter how much recovery the person has that's talking to somebody, uh, until the person that that um, that is that is uh, in the disease wants the help, they cannot be the help. And you know, I was thinking about page 84, the bottom of page 84. You know, what it really says about what we can have in recovery, that, that we can cease fighting anything and anyone. For me, I was fighting everyone. I mean, I didn't let anybody in, and I, I despised everybody. Uh, you know, I was very um, aloof, um, and, you know, I didn't even realize it, how I pushed people away. And what a sad, lonely life it was. And it talks about the neutrality that we can have. Uh, that, that we don't, we're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation as far as the food goes. But the problem goes so much deeper than the food because so many of us have so many uh, addictive problems and we go from one thing to another, at least I did. And for me, when I really sit in the step and really look at myself in a loving way and at the same time inventory myself, the positives and the negatives, and continue to work this beautiful program, I can have a really beautiful life, and I'm very grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah W. Okay, Nessa R., it's your turn. Thank you. Um, Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I went to so many experts. I went to doctors different doctors, different nutritionists. I went to kinesiologists. I went to psychotherapists of so many different varieties looking for 
the solution to what I thought was my problem. Um, and I never, ever, ever found it. And, you know, I think the fundamental reason was that um, they, they didn't really have anything to offer. Um, you know, I could uh, give them many excuses and many reasons why this wouldn't work, why that wouldn't work, um, and didn't know any better. They didn't know any better. Ultimately, the, 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 the major excuse was, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. And what I have found out is that the real experts are in these rooms. The real experts are the recovered compulsive overeaters because not only they are the experts in the disease, but they are also the experts in the solution and in the plan of action to attain that solution. You know, I was so discouraged and demoralized going from expert to expert to expert, endocrinologists and like, oh my gosh, all, all, all these different people and nobody could help me. I was so discouraged and I thought I was, I, 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 there was no hope for me. I came in into these rooms truly, truly hopeless, not only out of ideas, but I didn't think anybody could help me. But then when I met somebody in whom the problem had been solved, and I listened to this story, and I, and I realized that they knew exactly what it was like to be me, that they had done what I'd done, they thought the way I thought, they felt what I felt, I was like, wow, not only here's somebody who understands me, who understands what is exactly what it's like to be me, but somebody who's not going to buy any of my excuses. And more importantly, you know, um, the hope that that gave me, that if somebody like that can recover, then I can recover too. And that is the thing. Um, if I do what they did, I would get what they got. And that was not the case with any of the other experts that I, that I visited. Um, it's just like, you know, they had their message carried no more depth and weight than somebody in my family, my friend, friend circle, who would say, just push yourself away from the table. Just eat everything in moderation. They, you know, they had no, um, no basis, no credibility for that. But the expert in whom the problem had been solved, somebody who's recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, now they have a message that carries depth and weight because I can relate not only to their disease, but also, and more importantly, to their recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Nessa R. Okay, Lynn S., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. These two paragraphs are amazing because it's like night and day. And, of course, the family and the intimate friends and the parents were more unapproachable. You know, or, and they found us more unapproachable, but, but they were also more unapproachable to us as were the psychiatrists and the doctors or to me because all they did was reiterate and give back to me my misery and my confusion. Why can't you stop eating? I don't know why I can't. I can't explain to you why I can't, but they demanded answers or they demanded that together we would find these answers. And, you know, even the, the, the doctors, if they weren't psychiatrists, like the, the, um, 
the doctors that did the intestinal bypass for me and stuff like that. Like, this will be the answer to your problem. And out of desperation or sadness and misery, I would take it. But it was all head knowledge. It touched my head. Yes, I know I have to do something about this. Okay, as a last gasp effort, I'll try your thing. But it was all in the head. And and I, I just keep remembering all these people firing my misery back at me. You know, like, don't you see how fat you are? Like, can't you understand? I thought, don't you think I know I'm fat? Like, I'm the one that has to get dressed every morning. I'm the one whose legs chafe because they rub together. I'm the one sitting in this misery and, and people saying to me, you know, you should see a psychiatrist, there's something wrong with you. And I'm going, really, do you think so? I'm the one who's lying in bed crying because I want to be included and be out with you. But when people phone and invite me out, I have, I have to choose between going out to see them and being the fattest one of the group and not being comfortable in the chair and being embarrassed to eat outside, or I can lie in bed and eat all the food beside me. So I would choose lying in bed, eating all the food beside me, crying my face off because I wanted so much to be with them, but I couldn't leave the food. Everything they offered me was a head fix, a head response to a spiritual and heart problem. And when I came into program, what I found there was people who ate the way I did, who thought the way I did, but who had recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that touched my heart. And that's what made the difference. And I understand so much now when Bill talks about the language of the heart. That's what helped me recover, was people who had experienced what I felt but were not still living in the misery of it or going around in circles discussing the problem and, and noting the problem, and let's all talk about the problem. They offered me a way out, made the difference, because they had done it as well. It's, it's just so striking to me how much these two paragraphs are reaching me this morning. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Lynn S. Okay, we have um, more time. So who would like to continue on page 18, the first two, the paragraph three? And Anna paragraph Casey, four. Anita uh, L., Oh, Renee, Anna K. <laughs> I did hear Anita L, but I heard somebody K the first one. Anna K. Anna Bar- K. Barbara E. And we'll have Anita L, Barbara K. But I know there was somebody else before Anita L. Renee C. Barbara. Renee Anna C. K. We have Renee C. I have Anita L. I have Barbara E. And there was some Anna. Who was the last one? Is that correct? Anna K, Renee C, Anita L, Barbara E. Anyone else? All right, let's go with those first. Anna K, please go ahead. Was there an Anna K? How about Renee C? Can you hear me now? It's Anna K. Oh, yes, please go ahead, Anna. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. I'm Anna Kay, a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. But the ex-problem drinker who has found his solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. 
Well, that is so true. When I first walked 32 years ago, when I first walked into the rooms of OA, um, it was a tiny little meeting. I was incredibly desperate. Couldn't close my winter coat. Um, And there were people there who lost a lot of weight. That's the only thing I that could really connect with me because when they started talking about God, I wanted to run out of there. I mean, that did, you know, I needed to lose weight. I didn't want to be a fat woman who walked around shamed all the time and, you know, the whole deal. So, um, but I stayed. And I found a sponsor that night. This was a night meeting. And I became abstinent that moment. Um, <laughs> through the 32 years that I went back into the food. But I did have abstinence because I didn't understand the spiritual thing. We did the three-step dance and all that stuff. But it was the beginning. It was the beginning for me to know that was the, that this is also the end, the end in which it's the only place I can be. And if it wasn't for me to have found some people like me who could uh, tell me whatever the solution it was at the time that I, I could hear, who knew, who knows, I wouldn't have come back through these 32 years back into the only place that I know is for me. And it, uh, I am so grateful that I am here, that I have found the vision meeting, that I, after 32 years, actually have a somewhat understanding of the spiritual aspect of this program. And of course, I always knew about the obsession of my mind. Um, I'm so grateful because I have the allergy of the body and I found other people who I can walk this path with, who I can either help or they help me. I'm so grateful for this program. And the only person who can really talk to me is another compulsive overeater who really understands me. And I thank God for this program. And that is very hard for me to say because I was always a little spiritually lost that way. And I want to thank you, everybody, and uh, and thank you for letting me share. I pass. Bye. And thank you, Anna Kay. Okay, Renee C., it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. This is Renee C., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this message is just so powerful for me. But the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. I've been in the OA room since 1989, like so many of us, and thought I had it and found out that I really didn't. I had the physical abstinence for a long period of time, but my life was unmanageable. It was totally insane. And I had no spiritual awakening. I mean, I had a few of them, but nothing like what I'm experiencing today as a result, the result of working these steps in my life on an ongoing daily basis. And, um, you know, I'm I'm concerned. Um, my home meeting has shrunk down quite a bit in numbers of people. And newcomers kind of come and go and others kind of come and go and I'm calling them and I don't hear back or I hear back and then I don't hear back. And, you know, I really think, and it's a big book study, but I really think the message of depth and weight that we all talk about is 
so very important. The message that there is an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind and that that is what drives my compulsive overeating and that is where I can be of help to my fellows and certainly to my higher power. That is the story I need to tell, not what's going on with my cancer or what's going on with this or what's going on with my life, you know, and relaying the daily stories of living. That's fine, but it's really not a message of recovery. And for today, I choose to work the steps. I ask God for the willingness to practice these principles in all my affairs, starting in the home and working on up and down, I've just completed my step eight, and uh, anxiously, maybe not so anxiously, looking forward to starting on my step nine. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. And <clears throat> thank you so much, Renee C. Okay, Anita L. Judge. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from also from outside of Philadelphia. Um, if you could time me, Janice, please. Uh, I wanted to share today because I can relate so well as everybody else who shared before me said, you know, all those professionals, they they think they know the answer, but they just don't get it. Even my husband, who has lived with me for 33 years, says things to me at times, well, I'll just, you know, just try one. So even though he knows, he doesn't know. He doesn't get it because he doesn't have the same body, bodily makeup that I have. And the fact is I have an allergy to certain foods and food ingredients. And when I pick them up, I start that whole allergic reaction. And... um he doesn't get that because he he's not built the same way I am. And in the big book, uh, I can't think right now what I wanted to share, but it, it says you know, um, in in the doctor's opinion, um, it talks about we are the select group or something like that, because there's not not everyone is made the way we are. Even people who are overweight. Some of them can stop, but the thing is, I can't. And when I came to my first OA meeting back in 1979, there were a lot of speaker meetings back then. And the very first one I went to, I felt like I was home because these people were speaking my language. They were doing the things that I was doing and they were getting well, and I wanted that. And one thing that we did do, we didn't have OA literature in the beginning when I came in in 79. I don't remember when back in the 80s they wrote the first step book or whatever, but we read um, once OA literature was written, Welcome Home. And we used to read that at the beginning of the meetings. And even though it's a very long piece of literature takes about three minutes to read I could relate into pretty much every single thing they said and 
I, you can't get that anywhere else. And listening to this specific phone meeting, I poo-pooed it for so long because I thought, what am I going to get from a phone meeting? I need to be face-to-face and hugging people. However, here I get the solution. I hear the answer because people before me have gone through it and are neutral with the food and are recovered, and that's what I want. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. And there we go. Okay. Thank you, Anita L. Okay, Barbara E., it's your turn. Barbara E. I'm here. Thank you. I had a little technical difficulty there. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. I want to take a slight detour and say that this is the warmest, most loving group of people that I've ever had the pleasure to, I'll use the word, meet because I've had such wonderful conversations. I don't know how everyone's gotten my phone number because I've been totally unsuccessful in registering on the Vision for You list. But I do thank everyone. But now I want to address what is in my heart. I heard someone use earlier this morning the term pathological liar. I am that pathological liar too to myself, and to the others. I always thought I was the exception to the rule. I was living in both denial and grandiosity. I can do it alone. I can take any diet and do it better. I can do it Barbara's way. And sarcastically, I thought, really? I have to ask God of my understanding for help? I don't need help. I'm strong. I could not have been more wrong. Today, I start my day with a simple thank you for yesterday and for a prayer for your guidance today as I embrace this new day. I don't expect perfection in myself. I don't expect perfection in others because I was that, some of you will remember, I was the girl with the strawberry curl. When I was good, I was very, very good. And when I was bad, I was horrid, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Yesterday, someone used that 10th step quick check, SDRF. I've got it plastered all over my cell phone, in my car. I stop. I ask myself. I stop expecting perfection. I pray and accept. But... I take action. Someone a long time ago on Vision for You used the farmer illustration. A farmer can pray for wonderful crops, go out there and do the work, or another farmer can just pray for wonderful crops and do nothing. I want to be the farmer that prays and then goes out and does the work on a daily basis. I no longer want to be in denial. I want to do everything that I hear every morning as I rush down here to listen to the 7 a.m. meeting. And I love you all, and with that, I pass. Right on. Okay. Um, Thank you. It's just about that time. So I want to thank everyone. Uh, that shared on this meeting, 
And the share ID for today, which is Friday, March 24, 2017, is 9761. 9761 for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting. So please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jackie B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Jackie. Hi, it's Jackie B. I'm sorry. I'm right here. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. All right. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come. If your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.